Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by someone whose journey I admire tremendously. Uh, He has spent decades working in the agency space, was the CMO at Scorpion, which we'll spend some time talking about, and today helps agencies focus and grow faster uh, through his vertical go-to-market strategy. He's the uh, host of the Vertical Go-To-Market podcast and the author of Focus Vertical. Um, so with all of that, Corey Quinn, thanks so much for joining us today. Marcel, I am super excited to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Amazing. And, and so just an incredible experience and background that you have mm. being like riding a rocket ship like that. Mm. And so I want to dig into, there's, there's three things that I want to talk about today. The first is I want to explore a little bit of what Scorpion was from a business model perspective because it's what we're trying to do at Parakeeto. And I think it's a model that not enough people are considering. I think a lot of agency owners look at the stories of a services business that has created software like a 37 signals. And it's very much seen as like this binary path. You're either a services firm or you're a software company. Mm. Everybody is attracted to the idea of software, even though, you know, I would argue that we've, we've seen very clearly that the economics that we speculated SaaS companies have are not actually <laughs> as real as we thought they were. Um, mm. But Scorpion was both and really did this interesting thing, which was a services led technology development uh, approach, which I think is ahead of its time for when Scorpion was doing that. It's what we're doing at Parakeeto. Talk a little bit about how Scorpion was structured in terms of the services and the technology and how that played into the rapid growth that Scorpion had. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, it it was, I'll I'll say at the front end that it was an evolution on how that sort of evolved. Um, You know, we did raise about $100 million in 2020 during the COVID uh, pandemic. Uh, large part because of the software that we had developed. So, uh, but but interestingly, it was primarily a service-led business. So, I'll talk about. Uh, I'd like to share with you how we got there and, and what the what that looked like. So, when I joined in 2015, it was a, as I mentioned, a 20 million dollar business, primarily focused on one vertical market, which is uh, law firms and more specifically personal injury attorneys. And um, the the culture at Scorpion at the time was. Um, you know, we we kind of evolved the business previous to me being there, being sort of a generalist going into uh, the the legal market, made a lot of sense because you know frankly personal injury attorneys um, worked really well when it came to internet marketing. They got a lot of great results. It was a good culture fit with that that vertical, and so what we what what I found when I joined is that we had a, we had a vast majority of these these uh, businesses that were. Uh, they were suffering from the same problems, right? They had, they were personal injury attorneys and they had a very specific set of challenges that we, because of that focus, we became very uh, expert at solving. At the same time, our CEO and founder, Rustin, was very much a build versus buy kind of guy. 
So instead of operating off of WordPress and you know, sort of third-party tools, uh, he was really committed to developing software to build websites and local marketing. So again, for context, what Scorpion does is uh, service, it services primarily local, local service businesses with an emphasis on initially attorneys. And so what we would sell is websites and PPC and SEO uh, and eventually social media and, and uh, you know, video marketing, all the sort of the local service-based business related, you know, uh, type of uh, products that you would expect. And so that, that build versus buy, what that meant was that we built our internal software that hosted our websites, our client websites. It would uh, run our PPC campaigns. I think there was a moment where we brought like a, um, a third party, like a Marin into the, into the agency and then, and then took it out because it was just not flexible enough. In any event, there was always an investment of developing custom software that allowed us ultimately to deliver better results for our clients. And so what did that mean? Uh, that meant that when we, um, when in a, a personal injury attorney would sign a contract, a digital contract based on a system that we created, um, as soon as that was digitally signed, a series of workflows would uh, would be triggered that the writers would start writing content, the designers would start designing a website, so on and so forth. And so what that allowed us to do from an operations perspective was allowed us to grow much faster than if we were doing everything sort of bespoke and manually. And I think a big part of that initial early success was due to the fact that we were focused in on one buyer, which ultimately allowed us to do the same thing, <laughs> relatively the same thing over and over and over, which, which, uh, allowed us to get some scale. Yeah. Yeah. So what I find so fascinating about this is, you know, I have a very mm -hmm. strong point of view mm -hmm. on this. I really believe that services in software are going to come back in style. And if you think about what a software platform is, it's really just technology leveraging an existing process and making it happen faster, more efficiently, more predictably, with more scale, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I have this saying, which is software is a really bad way to figure out what works and a really good way to scale what works, right? It's an expensive and slow and arduous way to try and find product market fit. But services have the opposite set of qualities they, they tend to be a little bit more difficult to scale but they're a wonderful way to get close to a problem and understand the requirements and iterate on the process and this is what i think is so brilliant about a services-led product development process you're taking all the things that a software company has to do to build world-class product and then you're using that to get paid to fund the product development mm -hmm. and what's even more fascinating is it de-risks the commercial success of the product, which I think a lot of agencies that have tried to build a side kind of SaaS company out of the agency um, are missing out on, which is you could make an investment into that technology. It never actually becomes commercially successful in the sense that someone is buying that platform and subscribing to it and it becomes a standalone SaaS product. But what you've done, if you've increased the efficiency of that service offering, you will get a return in perpetuity on the additional gross margin that that creates for you. Correct. And so I think it's just something that people aren't talking enough about, but I think is going to become much more common in SaaS as we've seen a regression, I think, in momentum investing and more scrutiny on the real economics of software companies. Um, what were some of the keys to success mm -hmm. as it related to 
getting that level of scale through this model? What were some of the things that you had to do really, really well? Um, starting with the focus, of course. Sure. I, and and if, if it's okay, I would love to, to actually make one more comment about your previous point, which I think is um, interesting. So um, fa fast forward down, years down the road where at Scorpion, we had a very optimized operation uh, where we could bring on a, um, a client in a specific vertical that we knew that we were only selling into that specific vertical. And of course you'd get by the way, you get salespeople who would get a creative sale, right? When you have a 100-person sales team, it's sometimes you get these <laughs> these rogue sales that go, yeah, exactly. So you get these weird kind of um, sales that end up getting approved somehow, some way. And what and we had built up the operational side of the business so much so that it was like, a, think about like a conveyor belt. Like everything, was, there was like a step in the process. And anytime you would... Um, you know, sell something that didn't fit the conveyor belt, you'd gum everything up, right? So we, over the years, we got really good at being um, uh, specific on on uh, on who we who we sold uh, who we sold to. But from a an enterprise sort of business perspective, the asset that we built, which was this extreme, um, somewhat extreme um, operational efficiency from a for a service business. What it allowed us to do, what it opened up for us, is to go acquire other agencies that had no way to build this because they just hadn't gotten that scale. And what the, the 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 value proposition for us doing that is that, as a result of bring being acquired by a company like Scorpion, we'll bring you onto our platform and reduce the overall operational costs and thereby increasing margin almost immediately. So it becomes a very interesting acquisition story. Yeah. And, and when you think about valuation first, so again, even if you were going to be valued as a services company, you would be in the upper echelon of what those valuations could be because mm -hmm. of the intellectual property, the, the clear documentation of process, the repeatability involved in everything. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's this crazy thing where it's like the worst case scenario, if the thesis is we're building a SaaS company here, then your worst case scenario, your golden parachute is we have a, a hyper successful, highly valuable services company that's delivering value to the marketplace and has enterprise value, which I think is a pretty compelling change on the thesis of what is typically this, the SaaS playbook, which is we have a theory, we raise money, we build it, and we have a very small target. And if we don't hit it, or we don't spend our money fast enough, or the fundraising ecosystem changes, then we're dead in the water. And even if we do get to 20, 30, 40 million dollars in revenue to uh, a venture capital firm that has limited partners who are banking on a unicorn, that's a failure in their eyes. Mm -hmm. And you won't even get the chance to sell that business or, or reach any liquidity from it. So as a founder, you know, thinking about this as an alternative path, if you have that big vision, I think is, is really compelling. I think another um, I, I would agree with that. And I think a downside risk of um, at least from a services business focusing so heavily on becoming a SaaS business, like one of the sort of the keystone aspects of being a SaaS business is efficiency. It's like building out, like making everything super efficient. And it gets to a point, especially in a service-based business, at least when you're talking about working with local, local businesses as customers, uh, but even enterprise, um, there, you know, you can't substitute software, um, for customer customer relationship. And at the end of the day, you know, customer relationship kind of doesn't scale. <laughs> 
Yeah, and and I think one area where businesses can get into trouble, and I've seen this firsthand, is that they forget about uh, the fact that uh, customer service is, is in so, in some cases some some clients are more um, that's more of a focus than others, but that um, that you can't that there's not that there's a risk that you are over over index on the on the efficiency side that can have an impact on the business. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. And and this ties into one of the the other core reasons that I think we're going to see services come back in style in tech and that ecosystem of technology and services is going to shift over the next decade or so. Um, and it's exactly what you're saying. It's it, there's a relationship aspect and there's the success aspect. Um, uh, I have a kind of a second life that I live where I spent a lot of time in this community called SAS Academy. And Dan Martell, one of my mentors in that group, says something that I think is really profound, which is SAS should stand for success as a service, right? The software is meaningless unless the person using it is is successful in achieving the business outcome that they want. And I think this is the reason that Every, if you think about every successful B2B SaaS company, Salesforce and HubSpot and Marketo and you know, Segment and all of these companies, all the SAPs, the Oracles, they either have a professional services team or they have a massive ecosystem around them of people that are helping fill in the gaps and cover the things that the software just can't cover, the strategy, the thinking, the data schema design, the process changes that have to map to how the system works, the change management that's involved. There's so many other aspects to the success of a client. And now with all this scrutiny on the unit economics of these companies, you're seeing more of these SaaS companies bring this in-house. So QuickBooks, you know, we saw them compete with their own bookkeeping ecosystem. ClickUp, which is like the, a hyper-funded venture capital scale project management, they, they just built their own internal onboarding team. They have a professional services function now, and they're competing with their own ecosystem. I think we're going to see HubSpot did the same thing. You could do onboarding through them on top of them also having a services ecosystem. So I think my theory is we're going to see a lot more of that. And this, this difference of is it software, is it service is going to become much more opaque because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. What matters is is your customer getting successful Correct. and is it profitable and can it scale? Correct. And that, and the best way to measure that end of the day is going to be retention. Are you retaining your target customer longer and more successfully than let's say the competitors, right? If you're able to do that, um, then follow that as your guide on, on what, what the right level set needs to be. Yeah. And so I want to ask you an interesting question, which is mm. with all of these changes happening in the world, um, where do you see services going over the next decade or two? And what do you think is going to be important for those running an agency, a services firm, a consulting firm in order to be successful and adapt to the changes that are coming down the pipe? Great question. And I think that at the end of the day, when you're serving small, medium-sized businesses, again, that's majority of my, my experience, is that there's, they're, they're still going to need a uh, uh, someone to talk to, at least when it comes to digital marketing. I even think about, um, you know, the, 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 the world of trading and, and, and uh, stocks and that, you know, back, back in the day, everyone had a financial advisor or stockbroker, and now there's E-Trade, and you're able to actually do sort of more functional trading but um, as a family, as a family man and building, you know, raising my family, building, building my own retirement, things like that, there's only so much I could do by myself with just technology. I do need to talk to a financial planner, someone who is an expert who can help me to do, to get the results I, I, I need to get to. And so 
while I think the tool set is evolving rapidly with you know chat GPT and AI, I frankly don't care how my financial advisor gets his recommendations as long as they're the good recommendations. Just like I don't think that an agency client doesn't really care exactly how you generated the content as long as it delivers the promise of, of what you, you know, of the relationship that you have with your client. So um, if anything, it's going to allow um, agencies and, and, and um, you know, expert businesses to be able to provide uh, more value at lower cost. Um, but there's not going to be, as far as I can tell, based on what I know today, there's not going to be a really good substitute for having a person-to-person -person relationship to help the customer or the client be able to achieve the outcomes that they came to you for. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't think um, professional services are going anywhere. And the way I see it is like, even if you look at technology, it's like you see a market get fragmented and then consolidated and fragmented and consolidated. It's just there's kind of this virtuous cycle of, you know, private equity and venture capital. Uh, you know, they're, they're always just kind of like birthing this whole new ecosystem of tools. Like look at time tracking. I bet you in 10 years, a private equity firm will have rolled up half the time tracking tools that we use. And then it will all pro proliferate again. Um, but it'll be in a new form because there'll be new, some, some new technology platform, maybe AI that it's like, you don't even need to track your time. It'll track it for you and mm -hmm. it'll be following you around and watching what you do. And so I think the same thing is kind of true in services with every layer of disruption, there's a new layer of complexity that needs to get managed. And if there's a group of people that can develop expertise, there will always be a market for someone wanting to pay to accelerate, to deepen their understanding, to defer innovation to mm -hmm. someone else whose you know, core focus is innovating in that area and understanding it and staying abreast of the changes. So um, that I think is all true. What I also think is true though, and you alluded to this, is the margin pressure is going to continue to go up as it has for the last decade. And I think We've responded with specialization, um, you know, niching down. That's been the trend over the last decade. Mm. But also, I think the level of sophistication operationally is going to continue to go up. If you, especially if you start to see SaaS companies, especially funded SaaS companies, enter the marketplace. Like I look at what they do, just from like data management, for example. They're like two decades ahead of professional services in terms of their level of sophistication there. So. With that combination of factors, what do you think is going to change about how an agency needs to position, execute, sell, deliver in order to stay competitive uh, when those two forces are coming after them? Well, this goes for me, the, the first and foremost thing that every agency needs to do is to uh, become a specialist in not just in what you do, but also who you serve, because what you do these days is changing too rapidly. It's like you could be the, the foremost you know, expert in TikTok videos. That's great. That's your specialty. You know, what's going to happen, you know, in three months when threads ultimately takes over potentially, who knows? Uh, I know they're not the same platform, but but the, the point is, is that um, 
what what I'm focusing a lot of my time and effort on right now, I'm writing a book, I'm doing all this, this podcast, all this stuff is because I am super passionate about the uh, getting the, the, the idea out there that for an agency to really scale and win, they need to become a specialist in serving a specific vertical market. Um, and that is a way to uh, not only differentiate and stand out, but it's also a way to provide superior value because it's through that focus that you're going to become an expert at solving really expensive, hard problems for that target audience. There's no other way to get there except through through focus. I completely agree. And I've talked about this on the podcast before. I think so many people, when you start talking about niching down and, and focusing, the everybody thinks about it in this very mechanical way of, oh, well, we do Facebook ads or we do TikTok ads or we do this service and that service. And it's like, no, the, the real question is, what problem do you solve and who do you solve it for? Mm -hmm. And the what you do is only relevant in relation to that. Right. And that methodology will likely change. But your perspective, your point of view, the high level strategy, the framework for how to accomplish an outcome probably won't change nearly as quickly. And so I agree that that is absolutely essential. I think today, frankly, it's like it's table stakes. If you're not doing that, then you're, you're probably struggling already. Yeah. I have a thesis that I want to bounce off you if mm -hmm. I could, Corey, Please. which is that there's a next frontier of specialization that I'm seeing, which is specialization at the operations level. So Level one is we're clear about who we serve and what problem we solve for them. But level two is we're clear about as a business what our strengths are so we can double down on the things that we are innately good at and remove the operational overhead of the things we're not good at. So, for example, an SEO firm that we worked with that was great at sales, great at strategy, great at account management, but we're not actually that great at the tech tactical SEO delivery. So they would partner with white label agencies to the delivery and push all that revenue out. But they scaled to eight figures, had crazy EBITDA, had great processes because they understood that as a team, that's really the thing that we're excellent at. So I see that as kind of the next frontier is like not only knowing who you serve and what you do, but looking inwards and specializing even further. Um, I'm curious what you think about that, if that resonates with your experience. A hundred percent. I think about companies like the airline industry. You have two different airlines. You have Southwest Airlines and you have um, Singapore Airlines. They are two very different personalities. If you look at them from a personality perspective, one Singapore Airlines, they've got uh, you know three different seating classes, and they've got you know flight attendants who are very concerned about every little detail about your experience on the plane. Then you have Southwest Airlines, which is one seating class. You have quirky kind of flight attendants, and it just serves a different audience. And I think you know there's a story about this company called Continental. I don't think they're an airline anymore, but they were sort of a premium airline back in the day. And they, uh, what they decided to do was they wanted to compete with the low cost carriers like the Southwest of the world. And so they came up with this concept, this whole secondary sort of business line called Continental Light. And it was meant to compete. And the reality was, is that though, despite how hard they tried to make that work, they, they spent hundreds of millions of dollars to get this business line off the ground. At the end of the day, their, their, their core competency, their unique value in the world, if you will, was that they were a premium airline and that's what they were really good at. And they were just not inherently not, it's not who they were. And so I'm a big believer in this concept of really understanding what makes you as a business unique. What are you really uniquely good at? Like, what are you really um, special in, in, in a way that your, your buyers care about and really lean into that. And if, if, if there's aspects of your business, to your point that, that don't, that, that, um, your business 
um, that, that your buyer really cares about, but you're not particularly good at, I'm all in favor of finding a better who, if you will, who knows who that is their specialty and let them do what they're great at, freeing you up to really pour that time and resources into doubling down on, on what's working for you. Hmm. It, it's a, it's a great analogy because it, my, the, I think a big part of the reason I believe in this thesis is when I look at all these industries that have been become commoditized long before professional services became commoditized, they all kind of follow the same pattern, which is this like increasing fragmentation of the supply chain. And mm-hmm. you see it a lot in logistics. You see it a lot in um, all kinds of like consumer packaged goods where you look at the supply chain and it's becoming more and more fragmented over time because you have all these like specialized pieces mm-hmm. of the puzzle and they like kind of nestle into this thing and get really efficient and innovate on like how to actually do that thing. And so, yeah, I think that that focus is both external and internal, but focuses, focuses the message at the end of the day. So with that, like, how is that applying to who are you working with? Firstly, what kind of scale are they at and how are you taking these concepts and applying it to them? So I'm focused on helping 1000 digital marketing agencies transform from being a market generalist meaning serving all shapes and sizes, doing all these different things to become a vertical market specialist. And there's three things that I, uh, I encourage agency owners to look at their business and see if this is true for them. Uh, first thing is that it's just hard and expensive to acquire customers or new clients. It's just, uh, there's, no, there's no, no pipeline, there's no rhyme or reason, no science there. That's really hard. Uh, plus, if client churn is just too high, and if you're not innovating, if you're not spending time and resources building out the services and the products that you that you provide in better and better ways if if all through if all three of those are true then there's a chance that you may be saying yes to too many different types of companies and it may be time to think about verticalizing and narrowing your focus and becoming an expert in solving one problem for a, a specific audience yeah amazing so for those of you listening that uh you know, are maybe in that seat or you're thinking, I'm just not niche enough. Uh, we'll leave some details to Corey uh, and his information in the show notes. So with that, Corey, for those that want to connect with you, sure. where should we send them in the show notes? Sure. So you can go to my website. It is CoreyQuinn.com. And I also, if it's okay with you, I have a new sort of um, value, valuable, potentially valuable um, piece of content that could be good for your listeners. A lot of the agencies I talk to rely on inbound and inbound is just not um, a scalable way to grow your business. And so I have a, um, a, a free six day email course uh, about how to actually get scale out of, in, uh, out of outbound. It's something we deployed, deployed at Scorpion. It's a uh, it's what took us from 20 million to 40 million just by applying this framework. So it's a six step email course. If it's okay, I'll, I'll share the URL. Uh, it's called getoutboundroi.com. That's getoutboundroi.com. It's a free six day email course where you'll get to learn the six uh, keys to um, getting ROI from your outbound. If that's of interest to you, that's available to you. Um, other than that, I'm on LinkedIn and would love to connect with anyone. Amazing. And your book, uh, focus vertical, uh, depending on when this is airing, it's probably coming out right around a similar time. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll leave some links to that in the show notes, either to check it out before it comes out, or if it's already out by the time this gets released, I'm not quite sure. Then we'll have a link to it there as well. So all of that stuff that Corey mentioned in the show notes, his LinkedIn, his website, the, uh, outbound email, 
uh, course as well as the book. Uh, and with that, Corey, any final words of advice for our listeners? I would just say that um, if you are uh, thinking about verticalizing your business and um, are suffering maybe from some of the things that we talked about, then um, I advise you to uh, go into your book of business and just take a look and see really who who is your best fit customer and think about ways to focus on them going forward. Because if you could focus, narrow that focus, you're going to get a lot of the benefits that we talked about today. Uh, based on my uh, personal experience, as well as working with a lot of uh, really smart agency owners. So that's my advice. Sage advice, uh, advice that I second. With that, Corey, thanks so much for making the time. It was great having you. Likewise, Marcel. Appreciate the opportunity. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener and we will see you on the next episode.